Hey guys, welcome to West Underground, the biggest, baddest podcast in the West. And today we have none other than a Ray sitting with us. Hey, how's it How going? are you guys? Very well, thank you. So, tell us a little bit about the band. Do you want to start? Yeah, sure. So, um, well, we have, well, this is like a second iteration of the band, really. So I think um, I first started playing in this, in this band probably about year nine in high school um, and we had a different lineup at the time so um, initially we had all kinds of different people on bass and drums and all that kind of stuff um, and I think to this day I'm the only one left from that original like the very first lineup <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but um, but yeah so I think when we when we started playing outside of school we had the old lineup was only three of us so we used to be a three-piece so we had um, our current bass player James Peppercorn and our former drummer um, but then we lost our drummer to the nine to five and so we decided it was probably time for a bit of a rebrand and a bit of a rethink um, and our music was starting to get not not so much more complicated but if there were more parts in in the songs that we were writing and so we thought it'd be great uh, firstly to get an extra person to help perform those parts whether it was a guitar part or keyboard part, uh, percussion, all that kind of stuff. And I knew Joel from, from uni, and I knew that he could do all of those things, and he's a very capable musician. Um, and yeah, so I, I think you were the first new member to come on, weren't you? I was. Uh, so a we, while ago. we played, I think, three or four gigs with that lineup. That's correct. Yeah, so I think, and that was kind of like a little trial period, I think. And it went really well, and he's a legend, and we love having him around. Um, <laughs> That's sweet. Yeah, um, and then obviously we need a new drummer as well. Yeah. And yeah. So, so did you guys just yeah. just just hold it for one moment? Did you guys keep the the name the whole time? Uh, the the first name we had was Quiet Life. Quiet. Yeah, and we we all were sort of very conscious of the fact it was a pretty awful name. <laughs> so, and so um, we we went for Array on the basis that it was. Kind of like a combination of our two, at the time, our two biggest musical influences, which were the Arctic Monkeys and Radiohead. So, ah, I see. Are, I so R Ray. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is pretty. It's a. It's very. It's a very. Um, very grand, corny. Very corny yeah. story. Um, but it's, it sounds cool. Yeah, we think we yeah, think yeah. it has a certain kind of aesthetic quality, which mm. quite like didn't have yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. we kind of stuck with it yeah yeah so yeah. Well, if, you, if you're if you're a live band quiet life kind of it doesn't sound like a like a like a fun kind of um yeah, it no. sounds like a quiet time yeah it sounds you're like you're lights and candles and yeah sit down on a it was it was ironic at the time because we were certainly in our formative years we were very loud yeah. <laughs> very heavy yeah. um but yeah we we knew we had to change it at some point and so um, we settled on the rain yeah. Well, I think it's a good choice, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so I think um, in terms of getting a new drummer, um, Joel was friends with Tom, yes. uh, also from Union. I kind of vaguely knew Tom. I knew he was a very good drummer, um, and so we added him as well. Um, and as it turns out, even though he's been in the band for six months or seven months, we only got around to recording a drum part with him playing. Uh, last week, yeah. yeah. So we we started recording a couple of new singles, um, and so I think he's been sort of chomping at the bit to get going. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's yeah. he's a he's another excellent musician, and so I think really with this current lineup, we feel like we have 
everything we need, you know, like we've um, we've got most of our bases covered. Very nice. Were you guys able to get together much during this kind of COVID-19 period, I suppose? Um, I think somewhat. Um, there was a probably three month gap where like we didn't see each other at all. Yeah, yeah. And that was a that was a pretty tough three months because we all had like, you know, like we were all just like really hungry to get back. Yeah. And we we're all kind of a little bit at each other's throats at times, say <laughs> <laughs> yeah. at least. Yeah. But um, we we sorted it all out, and Ruby, our manager, has done a brilliant job of just yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. being the the mediator absolutely um, yeah but after those like three months we started like practicing again and i think our first practice back was probably the best we've ever played it was surprisingly all, good yeah <laughs> surprisingly because we all we all kind of thought yeah. we'd be a bit rusty and yeah. there'd be a few mistakes everywhere but we were actually like really we were, we were pretty ready tight, to go. yeah yeah, yeah i think um like like joel says you know we we've been a long time without playing together mm. so i think we we're all very focused and definitely really enjoying it you know and we still yeah, are absolutely. yeah absolutely. i think we're still you know keen to keep playing as much as we can yeah you know, having mm. been deprived of it for so long yeah going back to the bit where you're saying you're at each other's throats <laughs> i remember watching a q a with you guys mm. like you put up that thing where you're all kind of in your own, own yeah rooms and it's like a like a four channel skype <laughs> thing and i was watching it and there was a bit of banter being tossed around here <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah. it's it's a it's always a fun time in this band because everyone has such mm. big characters. I'd say. Big characters and, yeah. and often um, strong opinions, which you know some people would say is not a good thing, but I personally think it is a good thing because, um, well, it's it's just good because I'd be more concerned if everyone was just agreeing with what everyone else was saying because I don't think we're especially in terms of musical decisions um, and also other kinds of decisions. I think really you need. You need a bit of um, a bit of a clash between opinions to really um, arrive at the best compromise. You know? Yeah, because yeah, I think yeah. with with big characters, you kind of um, because you're sort of you know sometimes differing opinions and stuff. Like you're more likely to get a better end result if you're sort of you know grinding for that. You know, yeah. I want it this way. I want it that way. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's so, so boring as well if you're hanging out with people all the time that just agreed with you all mm. the time. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Just like, it's, no just a, it's just a sign that we yeah. all really care about being. Really yeah, good absolutely. Band, you know? mm. Yeah. So I think it's a good thing. And I think banter keeps you interested as well. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah definitely. Keeps you, keeps you on the edge of your seat. You need a bit of banter. Oh, one hundred percent. The world, the world <laughs> would be a shitter place without it. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I just wanted to say when I when. We played a show with you guys ages ago at uh, at Peter show. Mm, yeah. It was a bit of a, you know, it was a bit of an interesting gig. But mm, I remember yeah. I, what I particularly remember, and what stays in my mind about it is I remember seeing your pedal board, and I was like, holy shit! You, oh, his pedal board. Oh, sorry, your pedal board. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's his pedal board. And yeah. I was like, I was like. You know, it, it just looks so complicated because yeah. I, I try to keep away from as many pedals as well I can. Just, but you're you're like a wizard. You've got everything. Well, I can't I can't really take all the credit for that because I I happen to know um, a very technically minded uh, guy who works at up at Toronto Music yeah, called yeah. Kieran, um, and he he is the genius behind that machine. Like yeah. he knows exactly what he's doing, and I think. Yes, I have bought a lot of pedals in my time because I, I just have a bit of a soft spot. You know, I can't really say no if Addiction. I see something. Yeah, 
yeah, if I see something which makes a really cool sound, I'm not going to deprive yeah. myself of the opportunity to enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think um, I'm, I was responsible for the sort of collection of pedals, and he was really responsible for making it all work together. Yeah. Um, he told me exactly what size board I'd need, what kind of power I'd need. He wired it in a way which is really organized, and it's, you know, he built it about two years ago now, yeah. and it hasn't broken down once. Actually, so. well, 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 that's certainly good to hear. But yeah. do you find, like, is that a is that a mission to kind of control when you're on when you're on stage? Like, um, it used to be until I had Kieran build it because um, at the same time I bought this um, this Boss ES8, um, which is like a, a multiple. It switches multiple pedals at once, so you put all the pedals through the ES8. Yeah. Um, and it can change four or five pedals at the same time just once you've set up all the presets. So yeah. with one click, wow. uh, it changes all of those different effects. So it's very handy, especially because I obviously have to sing as well. Um, and so uh, like tap dancing on stage is, is something which is very de detrimental to, um, yeah. to yeah. singing. The <laughs> <laughs> so um, that was a good purchase for the ES8. has been a, a bit of a lifesaver. Oh, well, that's good to hear, because I, I was looking at it, I remember just looking at it going, what the fuck, you know, you know, <laughs> just looking like, it just looks like a, a mission to be able to operate. It is, it is, and um, I think I think now, because we've, we've started to delve into um, the world of backing tracks mm. um, at our live shows now, so I think, although we do get a lot of the parts in our songs covered with the four of us now, yeah, um, there's still an awful lot of stuff um, which we still can't cover, so things like... Um, strings and yeah, orchestral yeah. arrangements and um, other kind of more electronic parts in songs yeah. so um, any kind of ambience things like that we tend now to just put them on a backing track is um, that how does that work is that is it a complicated process or is it quite simple once you once you sort of get your head around it it's fairly straightforward but I think the first sort of time you sit down and try and work it out it is a yeah. little bit overwhelming and I think like we had to buy a couple of extra bits of gear to get it working. So I think you need you need the software. So you need main stage for us because we're primarily Logic users. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we had to buy another interface which had enough um, outputs to run a separate click track to the drummer who's got his click, um, as well as a backing track in his earpiece. But obviously you don't want the click going to the front of house speakers, oh, and so we had to yeah, separate yeah. them. So we had a bit of a fun time, didn't we? Trying to that was, <laughs> we, that was such a around. frustrating day. Oh, so you need this like little adapter thing for yeah, it, like yeah. to split it. Yeah. But um, like when we originally were working it out, we could only hear the click in one ear, like yeah. the tom on the drums, yeah. and you needed like a stereo out. But yeah, there was the no like actual cable to do that yeah. <laughs> into the into the headphones. We had to think outside the box a bit, didn't we? It took yeah, us all day yeah. to work it out and then when we did it was a very simple solution. Oh, yeah. we just, it just took us a long time to we get to it, didn't it? We yeah. were just thinking about it completely the wrong way. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I think it was worth it though. I think that, that trouble with trying to work out the backing tracks um, really makes a difference um, to our sound in the live setting because yeah, yeah. um, like I say, on record our songs have a lot of extra stuff going on and it's a bit of a shame if we can't really have all of that stuff playing live. Yeah. So. Do you think it's given you a like a maybe a maybe a heads up on other bands like you know kind of if you're say if you're playing in a at a venue where you have a lineup of three different bands like it kind of sets you apart from the rest of the guys just being able to have this completely different like I don't know landscape and palette of sound at your fingertips essentially. 
Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, I mean, every I feel like every band has their mm. you know, strengths and weaknesses in in different areas, mm. and um, and for us, I think one of our strengths is just having like the full sound you hear like on the on the studio tracks. Yeah, which I think is really cool. I think the more of those things you have as well, the more things which set you apart from other bands are ultimately you know, what people will walk away with at the end of the night, you know, are they going to remember mm. the band which sounded like the other three bands, or are they going to remember the band which had all this, the orchestral arrangements and, you know... Yeah, like it makes for like a kind of cinematic I think the kind more, of show as well. Yeah, yeah the, more, the more things you have which, for people to remember you and identify you as, um, the better, really. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm trying, as, as we're having this conversation, I'm trying to go through my mind and think about, you know, have a... I don't think I've experienced, you know, playing with any other bands in Sydney so far that 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 are using backing tracks. It's because it's. I think it's partly because people perceive it to be quite a, like a technical um, process to get them working and like a, a big monetary investment as Is well. Is it much so geared, much more gear to bring to a gig as well? Uh, I wouldn't say Not so. Really. It's like yeah. an extra suitcase. Yeah, a laptop and interface, and that's oh, yeah. You yeah, shove it all in a separate suitcase. And it's, it really, it's just a, it's just a, an interface, a laptop, and some um, earpieces and a connector and some. Yeah, power. just some cable. It's, yeah. it's kind of like an extra pedal board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not too bad. And and like I say, I think the the difference it makes to how we're perceived, our sound is perceived in a live setting is, is absolutely worth it. You know? Yeah. yeah. And um, guys, what's some, what's some highlights you've had as a band? Like, what's the best moment that you guys have had, I suppose, together? Well, what's some funny ones that you can drop? Can you, can you, are you oh. able to talk about them? Are they, yes. are they off limits? Some of them, some of them, some of them. <laughs> what are you thinking about? <laughs> well, I think if we're gonna, if we, we could, there's a PG answer and there's probably a less PG answer. Well, don't incriminate yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, well, just whatever, whatever you're comfortable to tell the cameras. Cause no, no. I think, um, I think, purely from a sort of professional, you know, um, <laughs> musical. Here we go. Musical stance. I think there's been a few for us, but um, even the last gig at the Vanguard, it was probably the first time that I felt after a gig like we were like becoming a really like a really good band you know what I mean yeah I feel like after almost every other gig we've played there's been a, a sense of oh we could have done this better or oh, yeah. you know like we need to improve on this or you know write a, this type of song to appeal to this type of person but I think really there wasn't really anything afterwards where I was like oh I think we could have done that better I think it was a really good really good show wasn't it? yeah I think that was probably our best show today I'd say Absolutely. even like with the whole like um, seating environment. I don't think it took away too much from the yeah. overall performance because I think we mm. performed really, really well. Yeah. And the crowd, like even the crowd, was kind of like bopping in their chair and stuff. And yeah, you can yeah. see they were all kind of enjoying it. And so I think probably in terms of pretty much everything, that was probably it all came together. Yeah. It seemed for with the yeah. crowd sitting, did it make them more attentive? Like were the audience more attentive because I suppose you can't walk around and be be distracted as you know yeah it's probably a good argument for that mm. you know I think really we the way we approached it was just as though it was any other normal gig you know with people standing and mm. or moshing or whatever you know yeah so I think um, there's probably negative um, negative sides to having everyone sat down but at the same time it's possible they may have been 
you know, noticing yeah, yeah. other things about us, yeah. which they might not. I think, I think before you use the term of, um, you know, being like cinematic, and I imagine, imagine if you're sitting down and watching a band, then it, then it becomes that kind of like cinematic experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I was just, I was just curious because, you know, with, with the, with the way the world is at the moment, um, with all these seeding gigs, I'm wondering, does is 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 there a difference between, um, you know, a moshing, crazy, jumping up and down audience or a seated audience, in in like in attentiveness and actually like engagement? That's interesting. Um, I think quite possibly because I know this was like this was the first gig we started using backing tracks and stuff. Yeah. So we actually started with a really kind of. Um, slow build up with strings mm. since and, and before whatnot. anyone was even on stage like, yeah. as we like we were kind of walking on like one by one yeah. Yeah. that sort of builds and builds and I think that kind of captured um, their attention a lot more than it would have if you know, they were standing up you know yeah. talking yeah. to their mates you know yeah. I think, I think definitely musically with the backing tracks there's, there's so many you know there's so much potential to do things differently you know like we've never started a gig by just clicking play on a laptop and then walking on you know it was just yeah. a really made it feel like a bit more of an occasion yeah you know I mean? or an event yeah. rather than just another gig and I, think, well, I hope it, I hope that was yeah. the effect it had anyway yeah yeah but I yeah. think people like sat up when they heard that first like instruments come in from yeah. the backing track and they were kind of just like oh this is new this is, yeah yeah this absolutely. is very different to you know the, yeah. the usual gigs they're used to. Yeah, so. absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think a lot of, like like Joel said, the cinematic aspects of the music are conveyed with the backing tracks rather than what we're playing ourselves because I think mostly we're still on guitars and, you know, singing and bass and drums and it's hard to achieve that effect, I think, without the help of the backing tracks and, you know, all sure. those other parts on there, like the strings and yeah. whatever um, maybe. What we were originally doing, so I have a sample pad on stage, but before we had main stage, because main stage is pretty reliable, mm. we haven't had any issues so far. Mm. Touch wood. Um, yeah, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we, we used to just like load all those samples onto the pad, and it's it's deceptively difficult to actually get it hit at the right time. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, like the tempo, like when you don't have a backing track and a click. You know, the band is naturally gonna go faster and yeah, slower. Yeah, yeah. human and element to it. Yeah, sure. um, and we used to do it that way, and it was very unreliable. Yeah, mm -hmm. there was a few times where I was, you know, slightly so, late or slightly early. Joel's good, but he's he's not like a machine. No, I'm not. I'm not so. quantized. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was yeah, quantized. I think finally we've we found a, a much more reliable way of yeah uh, of approaching this issue for sure. Yeah, yeah. we well, that we. Well, that last gig sounds, you know, like a like a bit of a highlight. But as a band, have you had any um, absolute horror gigs that you want to share? <laughs> like absolute, just just shit, just chaos. Hmm. I don't well, know. Well, because they're always horrible when they happen, if if they have mm. happened. But they always make the best stories. That's true. Um, I think we've had some which have had parts of them which were just a nightmare. You know, like guitars not working or voice not working oh no what do you <laughs> do when like, the voice doesn't work um sing in a different way yeah <laughs> um so i think specifically it was probably for a gig a couple of a couple of years ago and rather than approaching some there were some high high 
notes coming up, which were sort of the full voice, which are obviously quite difficult to, the most difficult notes to sing, I think, what I find anyway. And so rather than going full voice, I just went falsetto, that was okay. But like not before I'd had a massive voice break and everyone's oh. heard it, you know. So I think, um, but like you say, it's just one of those, it's one of those things where you kind of learn to look out for it, you know, so yeah, again, because you, you don't want to keep doing that kind of thing at shows, yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. good. But, um, but yeah, I think really we've been quite lucky. We haven't really had any awful kind of... Not really. No. Um, I mean, this is this is outside of Array. I've had a few questionable gigs, like, outside of Array. <laughs> um, but uh, am I allowed to share them? Yeah. All right. Of course. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm going to hear them, actually. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> there was this one um, gig where... Well, it was yeah. It was a gig. It was I was actually DJing at like a at a twenty first like a big event, um, but we had this like sort of set up and the table was like there. The decks were there, and um, and people were just like they were like really getting into it. So it was good in that aspect. Yeah. But they literally just kept on like hitting the cables, the and they knocked out the decks. Like they knocked out the power. <laughs> I oh, think at least four times during that's the worst. night. Yeah, we and so half well. like they're all yelling at me as well, <laughs> and <laughs> I couldn't do anything fault. about it because yeah, yeah. oh, they thought, it was like, "Where's the music?" And it's probably um, the sound guy's fault. To be fair, hey, just yeah. not, not planning for that kind no, of thing. Enough, no, you know, and like, people were just like walking behind the decks, and they were just touching things, and I think there was some drinks spilt on the decks as well, oh, and it was worst, a bit of a nightmare gig. Kind of yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's a shame. I remember. I remember we had. had have you guys ever played? Um, Alec, the sorry guys. Uh, for the for the viewers watching, our camera guy behind here, Alec is going to fill me in on the venue in Surrey Hills where we had to lug a drum the kit up. Yeah. Oh, oh have you guys venue. ever played there? I've played there with a different band. Oh, mate, it was a nightmare. It was like a 40 degree day. Oh, and we had yes. to, you had to literally lug a drum kit up, up, up like, up like a couple flights of stairs that are just so narrow. And you, it, it, it was just, it was just horrible. And by the time you get up there, you just drenched with just. It's a hot box. And, it, and you got up the top and, and then there's no actual like PA or sound equipment. So it's kind of like. You know, it just, makes you. That's the kind of thing which makes you want to get good enough to warrant having roadies. Oh, know? absolutely! And also being able to say no to those gigs. Yeah, it's probably the worst part of playing any gig is having to lug all your gear, you know, to the green room or onto the stage, and then have to go and play after that, mm. or when you're already a little bit naked. Yeah. Know? Well, that was the amp I was using before. Oh, so no. I very quickly went and oh, bought another man. amp because oh, I. Man. Yeah, we re we retired gigging with that thing after that. Jeez. Never again. Never again. No, that's that's more than fair. Yeah. That was just that's a right. backbreaker of it. Just yeah. I think roadies are the key. Mm. I think that's. Have you guys got roadies yet? No. Well, no. But that's not. we're working to it. We're working. We are, that, that's the next purchase. <laughs> Every day. From, um, yeah. From our manager. We're not working for the money. We're working no. for roadies. Groupies. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Them um, That's a bonus. I thought I might just throw that question in. <laughs> <laughs> Shock value. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> oh, dear. So what's on the so what's in the in the near future? Well, um, we do have a single coming out very soon, a new single called Wave Breaks. 
which is coming out on the 18th of September. Um, we also have a headline show supporting that single, so a single launch, <laughs> yes. at, the, um, at Lazy Bones on the 29th, on the 29th of September, uh, which we're very much looking forward to. Um, and then following those two things, we'll have uh, some more gigs coming up, um, one of which is at the Factory Theatre um, uh, in October. A 18th. 18th of October. Yeah. Um, and then a gig outside of Sydney for the first time ever uh, in Wollongong at La La La's yes. on the 14th. Is it 14th? Uh, I don't want. I don't Sometime in October, but we'll, we'll be. It's, posting it's like sandwiched between those two games. Yes, that's correct. So, I think. Yeah. yeah, so we're looking forward to that as well. Well, that's um, certainly exciting. Absolutely. Yeah, and we've got some more, lots of new music on the way as well. You know, we're sort of constantly working, um, given that I personally haven't got too much else to do because I lost my job. Oh. <laughs> so I think, um, you know, it's been a really good opportunity to really work on some new tunes that we're um, really quite excited about, aren't we? Certainly. Yeah. Well, absolutely. That, you know, you losing your job may, may serve you as a blessing in disguise because mm. yeah. now you will have the time to actually, you know, be able to, to be able to put a lot more effort yeah. into it. And I think really on. we've, we've um, since if, if you compare where we were at before lockdown came in to where we're at now, um, and our manager Ruby has been a part of that um, as well, but I think we're really quite quite a long way away from you know ahead of where we were which is good so yeah, i think that's yeah, the aim is to just keep um keep pushing you know keep uh, keep working on stuff all the time keep booking as many gigs as we can because um, i just know for a fact that we're all too lazy to yeah. send out all these emails <laughs> yeah, yeah so true we would yeah, do the bare so minimum if we were in charge of that yeah yeah, yeah and that's yeah. like nothing you know against the other members they're not they're not actually lazy but no, no. so is she yeah. just is she just sending out emails left right and center yeah. yes she's oh, a she's she a want. machine like yeah. when we've got like a new song coming out she'll just email like she's got a big um email list. Yeah, yeah massive email list so how did you find is. how did you find ruby because I think every every band wants a Ruby, but I don't know. Yeah. How do they? Um, I met I met Ruby also at, at AIM, uh, so uni, so it's Australian Institute of Music, which is where we were yeah. all studying at the time. Um, and I met Ruby. Um, we were both doing uh, composition at AIM, um, and uh, she is also still quite into composing and writing songs. But um, I think she mentioned to me at the last. Vanguard gig we played back in February. Uh, she came back to the green room, yeah. and was saying that she was interested in artist management. And I said, "Really, Ruby? Well, that's interesting to hear because we're interested in you know having someone to manage us. And you know, having having sort of known Ruby for two or three years beforehand, I kind of mm. knew that she would have a personality that was well suited to that kind of work. You know, like very yeah. organised, very methodical, um, very hardworking." You know, and so I think from there we kind of drew up a little contract, and um, since then the rest is history. You know, it's been going really mm. well. So couldn't be happier. Certainly. Yeah. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So, guys, taking it back to to Wave Breaking new single, um, can we can we know anything about it? Well, yes, you can. So, <laughs> oh, this is the <laughs> opportunity. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, Wave Breaks. Um, is probably the first love song that we've written. Ooh. Yeah. So um, there's a it's it's a sweet tune, you know, and I think really um, it kind of. Uh, is there a personal story from your perspective about it? Oh uh, yes, 
I, I, you know, I suppose it's probably loosely um, sort of dedicated to my girlfriend, Hayley, <laughs> if you're Shout watching Hayley. Hayley. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, but um, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's got a bit of that sort of classic um, feel that, that you get with some songs from the 50s and 60s. So, mm. you know, not to name drop or to even say or anything close to these kind of acts, but Elvis and the Beatles, I'd say, yeah, yeah. were probably big influences for that style. Um, and so we've got this this sort of uh, a string arrangement in there as well. Um, I also play cello, so there's a little cello melody in there. Um, and yeah, um, we're pretty excited about it. Um, and it's a very different type of song, I think, to anything that we've really put out before. There's a lot of um, acoustic guitar, um, that kind of stuff. So yeah, mm. no, we're very, very excited to put it out, aren't we? Yeah. Be good. Yeah. Yeah. Good to hear. Before before we did the interview, guys, we're talking and we're having a little conversation about Abbey Road, and I feel like you guys are the perfect band to be suited to be recording in Abbey Road, possibly in the, <laughs> in oh, the future be, uh, at some uh, point with the string arrangements and oh uh, yeah, well, and, and in terms of uh, you know instrumentation, absolutely. I feel like that would be the yeah. Well, it's a big big old room they've got there. So oh, um, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's definitely uh, something which is on the the sort of the larger bucket list for us um, so I think I think really we've got a lot of you know a heap of short-term goals which we're sort of working towards at the moment um, you know certain venues we'd like to play um, certain sort of target figures we'd like to hit on Spotify you know like streams yeah, followers, yeah. that kind of thing um, and I think really um, there's no reason we can't make all of those goals you know I think the only thing that will stop us is um, not working hard enough so yeah we're gonna you know, work damn hard to try and get there. So what, what, what gets bands on the Spotify playlist? Is there anything to it or is it just kind of luck at the drawer? And... Um, so I think, actually you're probably the better person to explain <laughs> well, this, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I think I, it's, it's hard to say really because I think um, obviously that is the aim of the game and that's probably at the moment even more so than traditional forms of media like radio and television. I think yeah. Spotify now is probably the best um, medium to um, get heard by new listeners who haven't already heard your stuff. Um, yeah. And obviously getting on playlists is a big part of that. Um, and obviously um, working the Spotify algorithm, I think is also a big part of it. And I'm yeah. not by any means an expert on this topic, but um, based off the sort of a, a sort of, of surface-level research I've done on it, um, I think um, doing simple things like making sure there's a chorus in your song within the first minute, um, not having a song which is longer than four minutes, um, those kind of things are simple to do, yeah. um, but will make sure, or at least help, to capture people um, because people have a very short attention span in the streaming age. Um, yeah. And that's, that's something I think which most people are aware of. Um, and it's, it's, it's unfortunate in some ways because it means it, it kind of limits the kind of songs you can write. Um, you know, like those kind of, the tracks you used to get on albums, you know, track seven or track eight, you know, like not necessarily single material, but like still very good songs in their own right. Yeah. Just because they don't have a chorus which comes in until one minute thirty or something. Yeah. Um, so I, I think writing those kind of songs is probably a luxury reserved for most artists who've already 
establish themselves um, on a record label or, or whatever, you know, recording an album. Whereas for Do you think it always artists, was as well though? Because I like just, just as you're mm-hmm. as you're kind of saying it, I'm kind of thinking about it. And I'm just thinking about, you know, now even you know, even before that I think the model was, you know, kind of kind of the same essentially if you wanted to get your you know, your music played on on on, on radio back in the day. Like even if we go back and you know we you, you look at the Beatles and people like that you know the the first couple albums just feel, you know a bit like hit after hit after hit after hit and it was only you know once you kind of reach that established age, all right now guys we'll give you the money to do whatever you want mm. because the the There's industry yeah for that. yeah and mm. I think a lot of people also argue that really even with the emergence of Spotify and um, you know the differences in the way that music is consumed now to the way it used to be. Really, the industry hasn't changed too much because you still have to put out popular songs, which will capture people's attention. If you, especially if you're an emerging artist, even for established artists, you know you can't. It's very hard, even for established artists, to put out an album which doesn't have a hit single. You know, it's hard to stay at that kind of level mm. if you're not constantly bringing people back for more. You know. Yeah. Um, Just don't be yeah. a U2 and give everyone a free album on iTunes. No, <laughs> no, no. Well, not only a free album, but forcing it on them. You know, yeah. So it's yeah. definitely I, something which didn't, didn't, no, um, didn't, didn't really strike a chord, did it? No one's ever tried to do it again. <laughs> no, no, there's definitely a reason for that, I think. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think I think we um, will just, you know, wherever possible, we'll focus on, on those sort of key things and try to grow our Spotify as much as we can. Um, because I really do think it's the best way for emerging artists to, you know, get bigger at the moment. Yeah, get bigger opportunities. Because I feel yeah. like when you're getting booked for gigs and stuff and people are looking at you, the first thing they do is they go to your Spotify and see if you've got songs out or see if you've got streams. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you've got streams, you've got fans, then yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, and you know, I think it, it kind of comes back to this, this sort of, fact that really a lot well most human beings are, are in a sense they're like sheep you know if they see a song with a hundred thousand streams on spotify next to a song which has two thousand um which one do you think they're going to listen to you know yeah <laughs> so i think that's that's really um our biggest focus at the moment is trying to go to spotify and just mm. gaining new listeners that way as well as playing gigs because obviously playing live is a is a great yeah. way of doing that as well it's also pretty much our only form of income. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not like get much from Spotify. We're not making tons off Spotify at the moment. Uh, we'll get there. Do you make much money off Spotify? Like, how many streams do translate to? I don't know. Let's just say a dollar. Uh, for a dollar, it would be um, two hundred roughly. I think. Right. I think they pay. Uh, isn't it most years they pay about half a cent per stream? Yeah. It's half a cent per stream, I yeah. think. And obviously for it to count as a stream, you have to get to, someone has to listen to it to the uh, for at least 30 seconds, I think, for it to count. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so if they skip straight away, they do it. you know, yeah. even in that first 10 seconds, you, you kind of have to do something which is going to keep people listening. You know, you can't, you can't really have a bland 20 seconds in there. No. So it has definitely no changed. Limits. It's definitely changed the way that we write our songs. For sure, you know. I think mm. as soon as we became more aware of that, that need to keep people locked into a song, um, that's definitely something that we think about a lot. Mm. Or do you, do you think do you think you guys working a little bit w- within the algorithm has has made your music more exciting for you guys, especially because you've kind of 
you're kind of building up to that point, you know, straight away. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think if you compare the songs that we we put out on our Save Face EP, which was released early last year, to the songs that we will be putting out um, and that we're starting to put out now, um, there's a big difference in terms of the even the amount of time that we spend refining uh, our melodies and instrumentation now yeah. it's it used to be like an afterthought you know it's like oh this melody kind of works let's leave it at that but really now I feel like it's more of a slog you know like mm -hmm. there's one track we're sort of working on at the moment particularly which comes to mind where certain certain parts of that song the melody just was 70, 75% there but wasn't 100% of the way there and yeah. it was like a matter of sitting down at the piano every day for seven or eight consecutive days, you know, coming up with five different alternative versions of this roughly, you know, similar melody until it, it was 100% of the way there, you know. And so I, I think, think it's yeah. paid off as well. I think it has, yeah. Right. Like we've, yeah. Well, that's good to hear so that, you guys, that you had the, you know, the, what would you call it, the, um, the patience to sit there with an idea for, for, for seven or it eight was, days. It's quite maddening. Yeah. You know, oh, I can imagine, <laughs> kind of, uh, imagine the frustration it's a, it's of it. Remarkably frustrating, you know, especially when you, you sort of get caught up in your own head and mm. you know, and you, it's just after a while if you haven't got got it there, it's, it becomes a very um, frustrating, frustrating and tedious experience. kind of. Uh, yeah, yeah, you really do have to slog sometimes yeah. to get it. But <laughs> mm. I think we got it in the end. Yeah, you know? it's, it's worth it. The process. So. Yeah. Well, it's good to hear that you got it. <laughs> well, yes. we well, we heard you say nothing happened. Could it would have yeah, been, been a completely. We could be completely wrong. Yeah. But I think um, yeah, there's a couple of songs that we've we've got on the way, which we're all very very excited about. Oh, okay. yeah. So can the I suppose the array fans out there can they expect a you know an EP on the on the horizon possibly? Oh, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think yeah. Um, I'm sure inevitably there will be an EP at some point, and then. There will be more songs after that, and they will keep coming. Um, they won't they, stop coming. They won't stop coming until you know we're fifty and we've headlined Glastonbury four times and you know played Wembley Stadium, things like that. Yeah. You know, uh, dream little. Yeah, it's uh, it's a never-ending slog. <laughs> so, oh, well, it yeah. could be worse, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's uh, I think there's um, a lot of work involved, but really with music, when you the best moments are so enjoyable but it's just worth worth all the work i think yeah mm, absolutely well it's certainly an enjoyable endeavor and it's one that also i feel i feel like is also it also feels good too because you you know if you do make it in music and you get there you you've avoided that nine to five kind of slog yeah. that you were kind of absolutely yeah. and you got outside of the mold which absolutely i think if you can make a living in any any kind of creative job oh, you then won. you're winning absolutely yeah, exactly. yeah because i think um that's not to say because obviously there is plenty of merit in 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 doing certain jobs as well um but i think i tried commerce at uni to start with and i couldn't couldn't do it you know yeah you know, that's what i think we're now pretty much everyone in the band is at the stage where i think that's really what we want to do and we'll, we're prepared yeah. to work hard to well you kind of look down at any and you know if you if you if the people out there that have you know studied at university and you're playing at a gig and it's fun and it gets your excitement up and your adrenaline's pumping and you're playing a show and you're seeing people entertained and you're seeing people dance and then you you know the subject you may be studying 
you, you can see the life that that's going to entail and then you can see this kind of weekend life and it's kind of like where do you, where do you want to go Absolutely. Yeah, mm. this, and there's one uh, yeah. one path of excitement and fun mm. and you know euphoria and one path of kind of yeah tedious you know kind of monotonous mm. um i think there's also a big a big thing which i notice as well is that a lot of people tend to look down on on music and other creative professions um as being unimportant or um, not necessarily um, worth paying people for. Well, you know what I mean? well, what did they do when they were in quarantine? Mm. Well, that's exactly. that's the point. It's like I think if you took music away from from any society, um, it would it would be terrible. You know, can you imagine yeah. not you know spending even one day without listening to any any music? You know? Oh, look! If you can walk onto any construction site in Sydney, you'll hear radios blare yeah, exactly. and you'll hear music playing. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, if you walk into if you walk into any office, you go up the elevator, you'll hear music. You, mm. you know, so so just as much as people, you know, some you know people in corporate kind of entities put music down and mm. you know step on the arts. It, it, life would be, you know, kind of colourless without it. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's, it's criminally underrated by mostly by the government. I think, but yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, you know, I think really there should be so much more investment. Um, you know, so many more taxpayer dollars going into the music music scene in, in you know Sydney particularly, but you know all over Australia really. You know, in various different ways. You know, supporting venues, um, particularly at the moment. <laughs> Mm. But um, but all the time, you know, because it's it's uh, it's a valuable, a very valuable part of of our culture. I think it's mm. important, yeah. to, but Absolutely. it isn't undervalued. Yeah. So, if there's any members of parliament out there that are that are viewing <laughs> this at the moment, yes, um, please give more dollars to the arts. Absolutely, if you yeah. Open yeah. up your wallets and be generous, please. With uh, mutuals, mutuals. <laughs> I want to be generous. And. Um, <laughs> And guys, I just want to ask you one more question before we start to wrap it up. Um, if you could tell your, you know, your 15-year-old, 16-year-old self whenever you kind of got in, you know, involved with music, you know, some life lessons and some tips, what would you, what would you tell your younger self? Um, I think I'd tell them, make friends with, <laughs> with lots of musicians because you don't know... Yeah. You know, they might end up being your best friend down the track. Yeah. They might get you a gig down the track. They might, you know, get you signed one day. So it's all about who you know. Don't leave uh, any stone absolutely. unturned. Yeah, I'd say. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you very much for coming on. Thank, thank you very much so for having us. Nice. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.